eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, bringing it strong every week on Longhorn Blitz, part of Horns 24-7 podcast. Just anywhere you get your podcast, search Horns 24-7 podcast to get this show, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. Don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. And with that out of the way, to paraphrase the immortal Lou Brown from the Major Mm -hmm. League Series, Texas started out with a win over Baylor. They won a game. (laughs) They went on the road and beat Oklahoma State. That was two in a row. They come back home, get a 17-13 win over West Virginia. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. It's been a while. But Texas now, I think, in control of their own destiny as far as getting to the Big 12 championship game goes. We'll figure all that out here on this latest edition of the show. Let me bring in the rest of the team that's going to be alongside me for this adventure, as they are each and every week here on Longhorn Blitz. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler with uh, a, a slick back hairdo today. Matt, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, man, these earlier recordings, it's like get out of the shower and get to the station. There you have it. Uh, <laughs> a man who's always dapper, uh, always doing his best to impress, uh, whether it be from a fashion sense, socially, talking pop culture. Uh, he's a jack-of-all-trades. But most importantly, right now in this room, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was on with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts. Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, can I do the intro, uh, the podcast intro at your wedding? Have you talked to uh, <laughs> to your fiance about that? That's not, like I said, that's not up to me. I don't know why you even asked me. I trust to me. me man. He might just pull a Michael yeah, Scott exactly. and go grab the mic and <laughs> yeah. just, you can't speak, I gotta go anyway. <laughs> yeah. I've been in your position, yeah. trust me, Rod. There aren't, there aren't that many uh, decisions we get into. Exactly. On. Yeah, trust me. Maybe what, on that together. Maybe what, uh, alcohol, and I'm cool with that, by the way. I'm maybe what, whatever it. alcohol is getting served, that was probably the most amount of input I Pretty had. Pretty much. Yeah, something like that. She might let me decide that. She might not either. I got to ask my opinion on things. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, but make you feel no, involved. Yeah, there was no. That she was going to make the final decision. That's, and I didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't care that much. I'm going to watch the game. And, Ron, <laughs> speaking of not caring. We've talked before about Tom Herman's record as a favorite. We knew this game was probably going to be close because, by the way, Tom Herman now 4-10-2 against the spread in Big 12 play when his teams are favored by six or more. And always count on some things. Do you really care at this point? It's a win. No, I don't care. It's the three in a row. You know who this team is at this point. 
I yeah, said, if you don't watching. know at this point, then that's it's your fault. <laughs> and not many so people right. are betting this team to cover. Right, so you problem. I yeah. said this watching the game in the press box. I said, you know, I don't know how a Texas fan can watch this at this point and really be upset because this is the same thing we've seen all year. And Tom Herman said something in the post-game press conference that I unequivocally 100% agree with the head coach on. He said, period, point blank, this is what it's going to be the rest of the year because this yeah. is what it's been the whole year to this point. Yeah. The Big 12 is like that too, though. Yeah. The Big 12 is that in a nutshell, though. The Big 12 is, is probably has more parity than any league right now that is playing. No question. Yeah. It's just it's just everybody's in a, in a big kind of – you know, kind of pile of good to maybe really good. I don't even know if there's a great team there's in the not Big a great 12. Team in the league you know what I mean? Sure. It's just good to to really good teams potentially. And on any given Saturday, as we've seen, that could flip. Yeah, and parity is almost the nicer way to say it. Like, I think it is a decent league, but in the context of college football, oh, yeah. the rest of college football doesn't teams. view the Big 12 yeah, you have very teams. well. You exactly. got to have a Big 10's got elite teams, the ACC's got elite teams. Especially now with Notre Dame claiming ACC and the SEC, of course, has elite teams. Pac-12, I'm sure they got teams that are that are considered better than the best team in the Big 12. I just haven't seen enough Pac-12. And I don't know that we're going right. to maybe see it be Oregon. Could it be Oregon. Maybe Oregon. I don't know. Oregon if we're will probably up, be that team. I don't know if we're going to end up seeing enough Pac-12 by the end of the year to really it's know great point too. one way or the yeah. other. Uh, but they guys, just started up. Yeah. So when you start to break down this game. Uh, Rod, let's start with the defense because that's the easiest side of the ball to talk yeah. about. And I know there are some West Virginia fans out there that complain with the officiating, but uh, it's like, okay, is this your first yeah. Big 12 game? Like, the officiating in this league <laughs> is bad it's every bad. week. Yep. And it, I think the biggest gripe is some of the pass interference calls. But, Rod, pass interference is one of those calls where you can get a feel pretty early in the game for how that's going to go. And sure. it was pretty obvious as that game unfolded. Look, if you're going to get called for a P.I. today – you're gonna have to just like take take a guy someone. down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you have to probably practically tackle a guy before the ball gets there. Yeah, they're gonna let you play. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, starting out on the good. Texas side, that Jake Smith play, it set sort of the tone, and it yeah. stayed that way all the way till the very end. Whenever it's flipped to West Virginia, which is usually what you hope for an officiating group, right? You don't really. Yep. It's it's gonna be called one way or the other. You just want consistent officiating. Exactly. Like, if you're gonna call holding like this every play, all right, good. So I'll know in the first quarter. This is how I need to adjust my game going forward. And I, I thought for the most part, yeah, like you guys said, they did that. And the, the Chris, like, our team's awareness that whenever you see something like that, it sort of fits Texas if they're allowing you to be physical. It's going to align well with Texas's DBs. Like I, you know, the Chris Brown uh, call in the end zone, non-call in the end zone, yeah. that was one rod. Go that if you didn't call it, I look back to the course of the game and say, yeah, history tells you throughout these four quarters they weren't going to call that. Yeah, it could have gone either way. I mean, they they wanted to call it. The, it could have been right. considered pass interference by some people's definition. And if they didn't call it, like you said, there is so much room <laughs> for interpretation yeah. of pass interference. But this is a game, guys, when you talk about the Texas defense and we talk about what wins games, and this is we're kind of in bizarro Big 12 world this year where we don't have a bunch of offenses averaging 45, 50 points a game. Yeah, we, even the best quarterbacks are playing bad, except for Spencer Rattler, but like, Brock Purdy's not playing well. Same Sam's man. not playing well. No. Guys we thought would be the world beaters aren't playing well. is a turnover machine. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, and, well. and Spencer uh, Rattler didn't start well. He got benched during the Texas <laughs> game. <laughs> the game. Has, yeah. has been much better he since He is that. now. He's yep. doing really well. Though. Yeah, he's hit his stride. That's why Lincoln Riley is Damn, OU's is is going to end up in the Big 12 title game Have, again. Oh, look, yep. I know. After oh, all yeah. that, after real, all this. Yeah, real after quick. After that start. Real quick, before we get back <laughs> to so the Texas game. I'll say this about Oklahoma. Rod, you're right. It is frustrating because oh. I, I know it was Texas Tech and Kansas, probably the two worst teams in the league this year. Yeah. But you watch them, and I know Tom Herman can talk about incremental improvements, and he, technically he's not wrong. No, he's not if wrong. He, if They're you look better. at this team. But you watch Oklahoma. Like, go watch Oklahoma. Go watch the K-State film and the Iowa State film. And go watch Oklahoma the last two weeks. And granted, yes, it was against Texas Tech and Kansas. Mm-hmm. But still, like, Oklahoma's getting better. Yeah, they are. And now they've got Ramondre Stevenson back. Yeah. And now they've got Jaden Hazelwood back. Yeah. And they got Ronnie Perkins back on defense. Yeah, and Spencer Rattler's been better since he got benched in the Texas game. He, he, that's going to be it. That's the one thing that I think probably when Tom Herman's head hits the pillow at night, that's probably the one thing from this season. Even though the TCU loss was bad. You had a chance to bury Oklahoma and get them completely out of this thing. Out of this thing, man. And now they're in pro- them. they're probably 
if they went out, I, I think if they went out and Texas wins out, that's your Big Twelve championship. No, game, you're right? look, you're right, 100. Yeah. percent I'm looking yeah. at it right now because yeah. everybody's Iowa State ahead can of it. That's the only one. But Texas is gets Iowa, gets State, Iowa State here, State, so yeah. if Texas wins out, you get them and have the tiebreaker. Yeah, and they always beat Oklahoma State. Yeah, just, yeah, always. It's like death and taxes. <laughs> yeah, I remember sitting there in 08 just being like, well, maybe finally. And then it's they like, just, I was like yeah. 65 to 21 or something. They just own them, man. Yeah, Mike Gundy's record in Bedlam is not very good. Never. But, Rod, getting back, let's get back to the Texas game. And when you talk about this defense, what do we talk about the areas that you need to be really good in? Like, forget total yards. We're just in a different era of yeah, football. Situational. You'd be really good on third down, mm-hmm. which in terms in this league, when you, when you play in as many one-possession games – as Texas plays in, fourth down defense becomes a relevant statistic. Totally agree. And red zone. West Virginia had five trips in the red zone. You know, scored 13 points, points. And they were combined six of 19 on third and fourth down. Yep. That's the ball game right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. You won situational football defensively. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'll say this. If you go back and look, this Texas defense, situationally, They've been improving all year. I mean, they've had some great red zone efforts, uh, in, mm-hmm. in, and we've talked about that early in the season. You know, they forced turnovers, obviously not necessarily in this game, but situationally they're becoming more and more aware. Um, and I really like, and I think, I think honestly it starts kind of with that linebacker group because they've improved so much. I yep. think in those situations you're talking about third down, those third mediums, third and shorts, uh, red zone, Teams were attacking those Texas linebackers with shallow crossers, uh, with you know trying to get them to work through traffic and get in the flat. And mm-hmm. continually, we saw that. But this group, I'm telling you, they, and I, I said it two weeks ago, they are no longer the weakness. And now I'm not going to say they're a strength, but Pro Football Focus had Demarvion Overshawn graded as one of the highest graded linebackers in the Power Five for this yeah. past week. So yeah, they, it was his best game by far. It was his best game by far, right? He's starting to feel, he's starting to get comfortable with the physicality in that box. We know he can cover. We know he works well in space. He's starting to get comfortable with the physicality in that box. You know, they called a zone blitz, and what, when he got the sack, and they dropped Oso, Osai back. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I like that, but okay, it worked. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, know what I mean? But in terms, in terms of the trust that he's starting to have, you mentioned, Matt, that you know those guys – last two weeks prior to this game, had played the most, all of the snaps on defense. Uh-huh. They were the only players, Jerron Mitchell and DeMarvion Oshon, who had done that. So they're getting more comfortable with those guys. I know Benda and Corey Jacobs got snaps in this game, but I just think they're trying to build depth. I think now they know these are our two guys. Matt, I don't know what PFF shows for either of those guys, but, man, I thought Benda made a couple of plays. He did. When he was in there. He looked good. I didn't notice Court Jacobs when he was in the game, which if you don't notice somebody on defense, Rod, that probably means they're doing their job. I so. I mean, I don't want to get like you said. I don't want to get too far out in front with with these linebackers, but I think you put it well, Rod. They're they're no long. They're definitely at the point where they're no longer a liability. Nope. Nope. Jawan Mitchell he played seventy three of seventy six snaps, and then Overshone played sixty four of them. I know he had had he had his helmet come off on one of those, That's and then right, other than right. that, there was like one rotation. I remember, I think in the third or sometime in the second. No, half. I remember this. It felt like David Benda probably had what Matt. It felt like somewhere in like the six, six to seven. Six to eight yeah, snaps. Uh, they have them um, for twelve actually. Okay. 12? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, he probably got a more maybe two series then. Yeah, yeah. something like that. That sounds okay. right. Eight in coverage too, so. That's situational. He looked also. good. He looked good. And maybe you know, Jack was three Bush two. Okay. Yeah, I don't count. I don't count Jeff Bush though. Yeah. Jack position. I don't count that with. The, I think PFF counts that with the linebackers, but yeah, we can look through that and sort through that. Mm-hmm. Understand? Count it. But no, man. I mean, yeah, he backs up Osai. Rod, let's talk about the secondary though. I mean, we, we can get to the defensive front in a minute, and and there's we've actually got some news here that we can report. Uh, by the way, no Tom Herman press conference this week with the bye week, uh, so. Well, there's, the head coach should be available at some point in the middle of the week, but no yeah. Monday press conference so you can get all this run down. Um, Rod, let's talk about the secondary because I think Matt made a good point. When you can get a feel for how things like P.I. or defensive holding are going to be called, can you adjust to that on the fly one way or the other in terms of, hey, if they're going to let it go, then let's just – Let's just Body grab, up. grab and be physical. Seattle and see Seahawks, if, baby. Legion right, of Boom. See if they eventually call it. <laughs> yep. uh, we, but we've seen it go against Texas the other way, too, where yep. if they're going to be really ticky-tack about it, that hasn't necessarily benefited Texas at times mm-hmm. this year. But, Rod, I, I thought the safeties were really good, and it's the best game collectively the corners have played in a while. Yeah, it is. They, um, I thought the corners played really well. Jared Daigie didn't really – you know, they tried to test them a few times, but – I think the corners held up well. I, I think Jared Daigie's arm talent, it does you know, limit 
things that he can do. I think they're really good, though, at designing that offense around his strengths and not his weaknesses. But he's not going to make you have to defend every dimension of the football field. He doesn't have that kind of arm. He's very inefficient and ineffective when it comes to throwing the ball deep and outside the numbers. And that's really what tests the corners. But all being said, I thought they played, like you said, probably their second best game all season long. I mean, it was a really good game for the corners. Yeah, and they forced those passes to go to those areas. You know, yeah, it wasn't – you weren't did. seeing anything over the middle downfield yeah. no, all game No, he stuffed the long. box. Yep. That was a smart move by Chris Ashman. He stuffed the box, and you start to – like I say, West Virginia adapted really well. You saw them start to try to stretch Texas horizontally, a lot of stuff in the flats, and then they'd come back and hit them with a, with a dagger of a skinny post or a slant that, that hit, hit big. So they were just trying to stretch Texas out because Texas kept bringing those safeties in and Texas stuffed the box, whether it be to stop the run or to stop the sweet spot for Daigie, which was the intermediate area from zero to 15 yards in the middle of the field between the numbers. It almost felt, Rod, like we talked – and again, you pointed out in the Oklahoma State game, I think before anybody really picked it up, hey, go look at some of the numbers. This Oklahoma State offensive line isn't great. Mm. And I went back and looked at football outsiders with that West Virginia offensive line. And you start with Matt, I, I, I don't know Even I don't worse. Think you can go back and look at the numbers, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think they were going into that game, they were like 84th in the country in yep. line yards per carry. They were, they were like 69th the in stuff thing they rate. were best. They yeah. were best, like nothing ranked in within the top 50. Everything else was below like 70. Major yeah. respect Lady Brown even more. When yeah. you watch film, you're like, that's Lady Brown. Lady Brown was doing that. But <laughs> Rod, when I was on with you and Aaron Hogan on the on Longhorn game day on the horn, I, I brought this up. It was going to be a really big game for the linebackers because – that Neil Brown offense. Like, Neil Brown gets a yeah. bad rap. Like, oh, he's an air raid guy. Well, yes, he played for Hal Mummy and Mike Leach at Kentucky, yeah. but he also spent a lot of time around Tony Franklin, who mm-hmm. has a different version of the spread. He was with Tommy Tuberville. We know totally Tommy Tuberville. It's a it's a ground-and-pound yeah. style that he prefers. Tommy Tuberville. And you can see, to your point about Jarrett Dagey, Rod, Jarrett Dagey, like, could have played quarterback for Mike Leach, like, back in 2004, 2005. Like, that's kind of the guy Jarrett Dagey is. That's mm-hmm. his skill set. Yep. And you can see some of the pass game concepts that West Virginia has where it's like, okay, and a lot of stuff, guys, let's be honest, like, we're not revealing anything here. A lot of stuff that's from the air raid, a lot of people are using it now. It's almost, of course. almost universal now. Yeah, it becomes So you can see some things in their offense where, like, oh, okay, yeah, that reminds me of the air raid. I, I remember mm-hmm. that concept. But – the one thing Neil Brown wants to do, he wants to run the football, and they've been doing a really good job of doing it with their tight ends. A lot of motion, a lot of shifts, a lot of funk, and it was going to be one of those games for the linebackers. I talked about it on Light the Tower, talked about it on the site. If it was going to be a game where DeMarvin Overshone and Jawan Mitchell could have really good eye control, mm-hmm. really good feet, you know, not read everything properly, not miss fit any gaps, Texas is going to have a really good chance to win that ball game, and that's pretty much what happened. The linebackers didn't kill you. Yeah, no, I totally agree because I was worried about that too, right? Because you talk about the pre-snap motion, the misdirection they love to use, and just Lady Brown. Lady Brown's a badass. I mean, he's just he's <laughs> Lady he's Brown's good. the real deal. You watch, you watch film on him, and you realize, damn, he's one of the best running backs in the country. And when he got hurt, banged up, it's amazing. They just abandoned the run at all. They didn't. Even, mm-hmm. I guess they didn't trust Sinkfield. Well, I don't know if Sinkfield would hurt. They look, yeah, they abandoned the run. They had third and one at one point, right? And they they didn't run it once. Right. I mean, at a right. third and when, one, if I'm not correct, and they mm-hmm. just they threw it both times. They threw it they, they went for it on fourth down, and I mean, it might have been second one. Like they had, they had, they had two downs for one to get one yard. I remember that, and they threw it both times. It's unbelievable. So yeah, because the Texas D line has been so good. Yeah, and I'm like, well, you don't think you can get a yard? You don't trust Sinkfield to get a yard? But it goes back to the discussion you just talked about, Jeff Howe. Yeah, about the offensive line. So that just shows me they did not trust that O line. And that's why the the short, high-percentage passing game basically with long handoffs, that became their running game. They were just trying to get two, two three yards on first down. They were they were fine with that because to them that was a running play. And that's what Sinkfield is, is their passing down back that would come in and spell them. So maybe their comfort zone also for what or how he works within the offense. But then they would but, have Letty on the field to no. like as a decoy in the backfield on a third and one or a fourth and one. I'm like, what? Why is he in the backfield then? If he if, if, yeah, he if he's hurt or if not, he's hurt and he's not healthy enough for you to give him the hand off the ball, then why is he out there just as a wasted offensive player? Crazy. I'm looking at. Then they would throw it to him. And then they would throw it to him, Matt. Did you yeah. see? Then they would throw it to him mm-hmm. out of the backfield. I'm like, I thought he wasn't healthy. What is happening? I was is confused with that because I was like, is he hurt? Is he what? hurt or not? It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, they. I'm looking at West Virginia pretty much from kind of mid second quarter on. Rod, they had a third and three where they threw the ball. A third and two where they threw the hmm. ball, uh, a third and goal where they tried to throw the ball. That was the overshone sack. A third and one where they threw the ball, and a third and three where they threw the ball. Yeah, 
So the third and one is probably what I'm looking at. Man, I remember that. And I was like, they're not going to even try to run. No, they threw it. It was crazy. But I think this goes back, guys. The Texas defensive line, we talked about it. That is the strength of this team. You talk to mm-hmm. any time I've heard an opposing coach talk about Texas this year in a press conference setting or an interview, they talk about the one thing that stands out about Texas. They, they talk about Sam Ellinger's heart and the fact that they respect him as a mm-hmm. as a warrior and a competitor. But they talk about the problems that Texas poses you just in terms of their size, their yeah. length, and their athleticism, and the depth up front. And in no better really? way was that depth on display than Saturday. Keandre Coburn goes out of the game early, which, by the way, we were reported at Horns twenty four seven Monday morning, uh, based on what a source said about Keandre Coburn's MRI. Doesn't look like anything's torn in that ankle, so that's good, good for his prognosis to get back yeah. pretty soon. Uh, it is a, a pretty significant ankle sprain, it sounds like, but it doesn't sound like anything's torn. But Rod Tavondre Sweat, we we've talked about him a lot. Like he's been giving you solid reps. He came in and, and did a really damn good job. Mm-hmm. Being in there first, he did, man. He made plays. Reps. He made yeah. plays. Splash plays. Yeah. No, I love. I love the depth of the D line. I mean, it's every week. It seems like they got more and more guys stepping up, making plays on that defensive line. I mean, Keandre Coburn went down, and you could argue that's one of your top four best players on defense right mm-hmm. now. It wasn't a significant drop off in not play. Not a noticeable I expected, difference. Yeah, I expected. Oh man, they're gonna gash Texas inside. You did not see that. And they that's depth. Texas has one elite thing, and that's you would say think it would be the offense or the passing game, but it's the D line. And talking, I mean, uh, we came into the season talking about, well, this is one thing Texas will have that everybody else in our conference doesn't, and it's how you felt Texas would have an advantage mm-hmm. was because Texas had those bodies on the D line. Now you hadn't got results necessarily from it, but we knew that it was going to be unique. But, unfortunately, Texas struggled early on, and, you know, it may not reap all the benefits of it. But when you look at the matchups across the rest of the Big 12, now Iowa State, they have a good offensive line. But other two games, Kansas and Kansas State, not looking good. So that D-line could continue to really wreak havoc as you close out the season. Yep. Uh, Rod, when you look historically uh, at the Texas defense and those first-year defensive coordinators, it took them a while. We talked about you know the the 07, 08 under Will Muschamp and uh, from going from ten to eleven under Manny Diaz and then Vance Bedford and Charlie Strong in twenty fourteen, Todd Orlando in twenty seventeen. It took them a few games, even with a full offseason, It took them a few games to kind of find their identity, figure yeah. out what they could do, and that tended to be kind of around the five six game mark, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And even with the truncated offseason, when you look at kind of the trajectory of this Chris Ash defense, you're through seven games now, and it seems like they've finally figured out, and credit the defensive staff for doing this, they've figured out personnel. We've seen fewer rotations. Mm-hmm. They've kind of figured out, okay, it up. what are we good at doing, which is stopping the run. Okay, so let's stop the run and Getting make them one-dimensional and then take our chances from there. Yeah, yeah they're, they're good at forcing takeaways. So, yeah, I think it's history has shown you that five six game mark is usually when these first year defensive coordinators when it really starts clicking, and this was kind of the expectation. That, that's why, like, I'm not, I'm a, I don't know, appreciative is not the right word, but I, I am impressed with what the defense is doing. Rod, we talked about this all all off season, like with the number with the number of guys you had Experience. coming back, all the talent you had, mm-hmm. etc., and what history's told us about first year defensive coordinators. The surprise would be if Chris Ash didn't at some point have Figure a really good defense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's um, I think the thing I'm most impressed with is Coleman Hutzler and the linebacker development. To me, that is what has boosted the the defense so far. The D line in the safety position assumed strengths from the preseason. We all mm-hmm. knew that. We all knew the biggest issue was going to be. I, I think we didn't assume the corners would be as bad as they are, and they still got some work to do. But they did have a really good game, and they made more plays on the ball versus Oklahoma State. So let's assume that they're improving, just not at the rate of the linebackers. And you know, I can see this team, you know, playing their best football toward the end of the season as a defense, as a as a defense overall. Um, but the, the linebacker Coleman Hustler's got to get a lot of credit. I mean, those linebackers they look they look like they're. They're right now going to be a strength going forward for the Texas defense. That means you're front now with the D-line being one of the best in the Big 12, if not the best in the Big 12, and that the linebacking core not being a, a liability. I mean, hell, you can now you can stop the run consistently and make teams one-dimensional, mm-hmm. or at least you, be, you should have confidence you can do that. That'll help you game plan around your corners. 
Yeah. Because you know you can take something away yeah. and then you can almost project and predict how they're going to adapt and counter when you stop that run. Yep, and you got it at point A, closest to the football. That's what's sort of good about having your D-line be that strength. And this is where you sort of wanted Texas whenever you talk about the talent that you're able to recruit here and where you're at in the hotbed of the South. You should be able to have these type of lines. And then this is the company you're keeping right now. I just sorted by line yards on Football Outsiders. And this will just be uh, better after this week at D-line. But uh, this – probably be updated so i assume the numbers will be even better than they are now but these are the teams in your area number eight in the country is clemson texas is number seven you got notre dame's 10 michigan state six cincinnati five you got pittsburgh up at three northwestern two rutgers one like those are the type of d lines that you want to have the company with and for texas to be up there that's pretty impressive impressive so i found i found the article i was looking for while i was scrambling there uh i broke this down over the summer and showed kind of when those first-year trend, those first-year defensive coordinators, when it really started to click. I mean, for Muschamp, it happened out of the gate. I mean, they, <laughs> Texas, Texas led the nation with 47 sacks yep. in uh, in 2008. They had eight in, in the season over against Florida Atlantic, uh, so it became pretty evident that they were going to get rolling right away. <laughs> um, but you go to 2011, Rod, in, in Game Six. Uh, Oklahoma State runs for oh yeah that was Game Six. Oklahoma State runs for 202 yards. They average seven and a half a carry. Uh, but over the final seven games of the season, that 2011 defense only gave up 520 total rushing yards, 2.2 per carry. They finished sixth in the country in run defense, and we know Manny Diaz has that high-risk, high-reward mm-hmm. defense. Uh, they finished 16th in the country in tackles for loss per game. You go to 2014, the fifth game of the year was the Baylor game at home. And, yes, Baylor ran for uh, what they run for. They ran for four, a little over four and a half a carry. Uh, but they had to run it 60 times because Texas shut down that Baylor passing game. Yeah, I remember and that was the that. game where Art Bryles told Charlie Strong after the game, like, nobody's ever done that yeah. to this <laughs> offense. And they really figured out kind of their formula at that point. And keep in mind that 2014 defense, 31st mm-hmm. in the country in scoring defense, 25th in total defense. They were 19th in red zone defense and 22nd in the country in third down defense. Man, if that offense would have just been average. Yeah. That team probably could have won eight games. Yeah, because I remember that that whole season, but even that Baylor game, it felt so ugly even though mm-hmm. you're in it. Because, but one side just has no chance. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I remember that game because it was like the epitome of offense pretty much in the Charlie Strong era. You can like just sum up the Charlie Strong era in that one drive of that game. If you guys remember, Texas coming off the goal line, they go 98 yards. Or really, it's like 99 yards. They get down to like the half-inch line, and Tyrone swoops and – Jake Rollerson have a bad center quarterback exchange, oh, no. and they fumble like right, right in front of the goal line and turn it over. Brutal. Uh, <laughs> and then you go to 2017, guys. Remember, it was up and down through the first six games. We had the Maryland game in there, and mm-hmm. some, some other games. The USC game was pretty good, but game seven, it's when Todd Orlando went to the Lightning package. They were playing Oklahoma State at home. Yeah. Mike Yurcich coached offense. Uh, and that's when they decided, look, I'm just going to flood the field with speed. That's how we're going to defend. He stole these it from offenses. Iowa State. Decided to play. <laughs> decided to play. <laughs> so Malik. he stole the idea from John Heacock. Smart. <laughs> De- yeah, smart move. I'm De- just saying. Decided to play Malik Jefferson and Gary Johnson together. <laughs> and we know that 2017 defense finished third in the country uh, in third down defense. They were eighth nationally in run defense, 29th in scoring defense, 22nd in turnover margin, seven defensive touchdowns. Led the country. Yeah, that so, was what they were really good at. So Matt scored a lot. To your point about kind of where this defense ranks statistically, specifically this defensive line. Yeah, this is usually about the time in these first years and the first year for these defensive coordinators where they really start to figure it out. And I think Texas is well on their way to doing that. Mm-hmm. But enough about the good. Let's talk about the offense. And there was just not. Let's get the good out of the way offensively first. I don't want to hear any other talk about, <laughs> oh, you don't have a bell cow running back. You need mm-hmm. to know. You have a bell cow running back right now. Yes. Well, B. John Robinson is the, be- the best running back you've got on this roster right now. Keontae Ingram's hurt. Roshan Johnson just, just doesn't quite look right. And he's dealt with an assortment of injuries this year. A, number five, he might be a true freshman. Tom Herman might not want to give him 20 carries a game. But if you want to win ball games and move the ball, you you got to give him the rock. Tom Herman doesn't believe that. He's a bell car running back. He I know he doesn't, but yeah. I'm pretty much telling him I, I I think he's wrong. He's the closest he's the closest thing you have to one right now. Well, I, I'm not disagreeing with him. He's saying that Tom Herman does not believe that. No, I I, I get what you're saying, Rock. Yeah. So did 
he's going to still play Rojo and they're still going to split he carries. 50-50. Yeah. Exactly. So just talk about the reality of it. Oh no, that's the reality. I'm, yeah. but I'm, I, can we all can we all agree that Bijan Robinson is the best running back on the roster right now, or am I on an island by myself? Oh no, no he's great. Yeah, he is. I, he's, I think he's an elite level running back. He could be really, really good. He showed all the elite skills that you need on one play. Yeah, when, right out the gate. Right out the <laughs> gate when he has the the jump cut, the spin move, the stiff arm, the speed to get to the outside. And then the balance. He might not have even went out of bounds. I mean, the vision, it was all on that one play, and you saw it all. Tom Herman saw that play and thought to himself, all right, I need to get Rojo on the field. Yeah. Because he needs a rest. And the rest of us thought, he needs to ball more. Like, that's how different we look at the Rojo situation. Yeah. Everybody else thought, he needs to ball more right now. Give it to him the very next play and give it to him over and over again. And somehow Tom Herman figured it. I believe on the touchdown drives, they're both, they both start with big Bijan runs. They both start with Bijan has big runs. Obviously, the touchdown drive to start the game uh, for Texas, their first drive. And then I think that first drive starting the second half, where they score a touchdown, I believe that's also Bijan starting, and he gets like a big – a nine or eleven yard run, something like that. So I mean, uh, it, he got you. Uh, he went for three, went for two. So he put you. He put you in third and five, and then it was Ellinger to Eagles for seventeen yards. Yep. And even what, though we've the seen drive? the first the drive, the drive to start the second half. Okay. Yeah. And then even though we've seen say Bijan, his touches maybe be a little bit more, his involvement be a little bit more, and even get the start each time. By the end of each game, he has two less snaps than Roshan. Roshan has actually played slightly more than Bijan. It's forty-nine to forty-seven. Well, he does have an eleven-yard run on that on that on that drive. He's got a three-yard run, a two-yard run. Brennan Eagles did an eleven-yard run, and he fumbles. <laughs> That's the fumble. Yes, run. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That's the one. Right. We go. Damn it. Mm-hmm. Not helping so, yeah, yourself, yeah, yeah, he so you know what I mean. Like it's yeah. yeah. So he, I'm just saying, he he's it's obvious. Like it's not. Yeah, I don't even know what. Why does it Tom seem Murray like we always have these discussions and it revolves around running backs? <laughs> like last year, we were talking about the Roshan Johnson, Keontae Ingram thing. Well, I think this is a, just a Tom Herman skill position. Charlie Strong no, couldn't figure out exactly. Deontay Foreman. No, exactly. no, you're right about that. Like we when sat he, here, we sat here, right. and yeah. what was it, 14 or 15? We're like, we we know. He didn't even playing. start. He didn't yeah. even start. He's never started a game before. He didn't Walker start Award the season. 2016 season. Yeah. It was uh, Warren was out there. It's crazy. I was watching the beginning of that uh, Texas Notre Dame game or whatever. They were replaying it, and I totally forgot that Deontay ain't even the starter. They're like, yeah, it's big time running back Chris Warren. For his Doak Walker Award season. <laughs> And he didn't even start that season. Seriously, like if it's Chris Warren, if Chris Warren doesn't doesn't have a season-ending knee injury in that Oklahoma State game, where I think they both went over 100 yards, we we probably don't see Deontay. We don't. We, I, not probably. We don't see Deontay Foreman have a 2,000-yard season. No. Nope. And even the You're last right. two. Like I, yeah. I don't Rod, is it just is it something about that position? No, that I don't know. Because to me, it's the easiest position to evaluate. I exactly. Think it, 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 I, it doesn't take much film breakdown mm-hmm. to go. All right, that running back's better than that running back. Okay. Yep. Move on. And, and and Rojo was that last year for Keontae, and ironically now Bijan is that to Rojo, and that the coaches can't figure it out, and it's just it's mind blowing. Like Mac Brown went through this during your tenure with Cedric Benson. Okay. Yeah, that was about being a freshman, though. I yeah, know, that was, was a little different. And I don't know why. That still was stupid. Just, still stupid. That was yeah. dumber, technically. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that was actually like, dumber. I know he's better. I know he's better. But he's a but freshman. He's a freshman. It's like, but he's better. We don't understand why you. Yeah. So it's like, man, 20 years later, you got that guy right now, Bijan, the freshman out oh, there yeah. starting, but you're trying to keep him fresh by taking him off. But, but then you don't even use him in the fourth quarter. You're trying to keep him fresh, then you use him in the fourth. Yep. And that is, it's, it's not just receiver rotations, right? Kai Money's out there in the fourth quarter in, mo- in winning time. Almost got, got, just handing the game over. And it's like, yeah, it's like, that play is perfect for Jake Smith. Why not run it with Jake yeah, Smith? Jay- Schooler was out there a lot more than I thought, too. The, the drive, and I know what I just said earlier. Like, if you're a Texas fan watching this, I don't know how you can be upset. But, like, as, as a, somebody, like, as a media member watching it from the press box, the only time I really got irritated, Rod, you go to the fourth quarter, uh, B.J. Foster just has the pass breakup in the end zone. So mm-hmm. Texas gets the ball, the minus 16, just had a just had a defensive stop in the red zone. Okay. Four-point lead, 11 and a half minutes to go. Is that not the perfect time to get your guy who at that point, I think he was averaging like 11 yards a carry? Is that not the perfect time to put him in the game and let him salt this one away for you and milk some clock? And what they do? 
Roshan Johnson for three, Roshan Johnson for four. They did get a first down after that, but he didn't, B. John Robinson didn't touch the ball that didn't entire drive. He had a six-play drive, and he never touched the ball. See, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it either. I, and I, no, what, do, what do they say when you guys ask them about – nobody asked Stan. Did Stan Drayton talk to the media? No. Because he determines the rotations, correct? Yes. From what I understand, it's not yes. – that, that doesn't come from on high, from Yersich or from Tom Herman. That's the individual position coaches, Assistant coaches rotating guys? Yes. Okay. Then we need to talk to Stan Drayton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stan, Somebody's got not, to ask Stan made, Drayton about it, man. They have not made Stan Drayton And that's a, obviously this is a guy that, you know, well-respected, great coach. I don't get it. He's got to explain that. And maybe it is just Tom Herman said that the reason they rotate is because no, nobody has asserted themselves as a bell cow. That's what, that, those are his words, right? right? He said when Devin DuVernay was the man, Devin DuVernay did not lead the field because Devin Liar. DuVernay was the guy, right? And I know it's kind of a liar, too. <laughs> but still, but he said he plays the when majority of the time. When he said that, house. I was like, no, but uh, yeah. I know he, he doesn't, did. He doesn't lead, I think what he means is he doesn't lead the field in, for rotations. He yes. leads the field to for rest. For a whole series. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, don't even get me started. But my point is, it's basically his when a, when when someone is defined as a bell cow that by Tom Herman, that's when they will get that type of treatment. And I guess to him, he's saying Bijan is not a bell cow yet. And I'm with you. I'm like, well, he he can't become a bell cow if you only get if he gets two carries for 75 yards, and then for, like on the first drive, and then by the end of the first half, he only has what. Like four, t- five, five touches, touches or something, something like, like that. that. Like I, that doesn't make any sense. Then, like that, yeah. that doesn't make sense. He should have had. I think he did have a, a reception though. Too, they targeted him on a reception too. So maybe he had like five or six touches. He should have had ten touches by the end of the first half. Yeah. Once you saw what he did, you should be like, all right, let's up it. Let's see what yeah. the young man. Because I did. mean, you look at just his attempt. He's only had like twelve rushes, thirteen and twelve the last three games. You would think like this is more of a featured role. He would be getting the ball more than that. And you look at this game. He had nine. 97 of his 113 yards came after contact. That's awesome. Yeah. If you, that is, I love that stat. Yes, 97 yards. On on 12 carries, he had 97 after contact, 113 total. Jeez. Wow. You know, Rod, and this goes back to something you and I, I think we finally stopped beating this drum. Wow. But, and maybe when Keontae Ingram gets back, you can do it. If you want to give both, if you want to give more than one running back playing time, run either 21 or 20 personnel. I agree with that too. If that's what you want to do, if that's what you, you really want to do. Yeah, because Rojo would be a great blocking back. Actually, mm-hmm. I think Rojo would be. I think Rojo would be enthusiastic we, about it. We've seen Keontae Ingram do it. Yep, seeing Keontae do it, I totally agree. And we've seen Yersich do that to Texas yeah. <laughs> as the offensive coordinator of State. Oklahoma State in 2018, where he used two tailbacks, Justice Hill, Chuba. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think te- I, we've been I, obviously clamoring for this for a long time, but I think Texas should think about doing it. And maybe the injuries have kept him from doing it. I've seen three or four plays this year where they come out in 20. Personnel, Keontae Ingram and Rojo, they just don't do it. Don't You're do spot on because yeah. each of them have a couple, like two snaps at quote fullback. Or when you look oh, at the different they? game yeah. logs, yeah, so I remember them. I just, it just very sparingly. The, and especially going back to a point we made in April or March, somewhere around there, when we thought there was still a chance we could have spring ball. We have talked about ad nauseum how much we felt like this wide receiver group was going to need time to develop. You didn't have mm-hmm. losing Devin DuVernay, losing Colin Johnson. You, you just It's a lack of experience yep. with that group. And how featuring your running backs because you have experience with Roshan Johnson and Keonta Ingram. You've got talent putting B. John Robinson mm-hmm. in that room. Um yeah, maybe eleven personnel or even twelve personnel isn't isn't your best grouping. Maybe put getting one of those receivers off the field and putting another running back out there. Hell, Rod, you're you're at the point right now. If you if you wanted to run twenty two personnel, you could you could sell me on it. <laughs> well, you could. I just I don't trust Texas enough to be able to dominate in the run game with twenty two. But you could have passing packages out of yeah. it too. You, oh yeah, you, you could, really could. You could sell I me how you engineer a mismatch right there. Yeah, they just haven't been creative enough to really do that. So, but yeah. the point with Bijan Robinson is this: you've identified a guy who can change the game on offense. Rod, what have you always said? Certain guys move the chains; other guys change the game. You've identified one of those guys now. Now yeah. you've got to maximize him. Yep. Otherwise, they, what are you saving it for? But they don't do that very well, right? I think this is another game with Josh Moore. The biggest play he made was recovering the fumble by Bijan Robinson. The guy came into this game as your leading receiver. And I'm not. I'm fine with Jake Smith taking over the role as D guy because I think he's just more talented overall as yeah. a receiver, just an overall package. But you're gonna let a guy who's also a one of the guys who potentially can be a game changer for you, right? You're gonna let him disappear. 
You don't let them just yeah. disappear? Yeah. You don't let them just, just not be heard of, just ghost? That's crazy. Yeah. You feature that guy, man. Do give me something. And they never really do that. And I honestly I don't know what West, West Virginia's got decent DBs, but the fact that they didn't play bump and run on those wide receivers, they made their life a whole lot harder than it needed to be. So they were working harder, not smarter. I don't know why the hell the defensive coordinators, because they got a bunch of them there that are calling plays, it's a community thing, would look at film, the same film that I watch at Texas, and not bump and run those receivers on the outside. You think That's Kansas, just ridiculous. You think Kansas will bump and run? Man, I, I, I don't give a damn who I lose? was. If I looked at Texas and watched film on them, I would bump and run them. Oklahoma's got some of the worst corners and DBs. In the Big Twelve, they're like, we're gonna we're gonna do it. Hell yeah, we're gonna do it. It's just you don't have to we don't have to worry about the downfield routes because Sam will give up on the progression on them once they start tickle fighting at the line of scrimmage. And 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 you basically <laughs> gave them free releases every time. I was like, okay. And what happened? Wide receivers on the outside were actually impact players. Brandon Eagles was an impact player. I liked that little route that he ran for him in the red zone. That was nice, too. Yeah. Uh, delayed, it was kind of delayed release by, or a delayed rub route, I should say, by Jared Wiley. But it was cool. And you watch Brandon Eagles, he, he releases slowly off the line of scrimmage. They were bumping and running him. He wouldn't get that slow release. Yeah. You get me? It, was, it was weird. That was like, West Virginia, I don't know. It was bad game plan by you, West Virginia. Bad game plan. But yeah. I'm glad. Let's... <laughs> Let's talk. Let's address kind of the elephant in the room offensively, uh, because look, some of the things, some of the issues with offense, like the rotation at running back. Your inability while you, while we're on, while you now. say the rotation at running back, I just looked up Bijan's first half touches, and oh, yeah. literally the first drive, the fifty-four yard runs, and then he had the target you spoke of on the very next play. Start off the very next drive with an eighteen-yard run, and then after that, he gets the ball two more rushes the rest of the half. So it was right at five, like we were saying. It was five touches. That's insane. It's one, insane. two. He got three rushes after that because he got one That's... more at the end of the first. Yeah, at the end of the second quarter. So yeah, you end up having three more touches after those two drives when you have fifty-four and seventeen on your first two. You, drives. you, de- you deserve to be stagnant on offense. Fifty-four and if, eighteen. If you're not going to go wow. back to the ball, That's you, you, you deserve to be stagnant. Yeah, it's That's damning. That's bad. It's bad. It's just awful. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, you know, the rotation at running back, Rod, the inability to, to identify your playmakers on the perimeter and scheme them up, and really, other than Jake Smith is the only guy that they try to force the ball to. They, 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 they well, they got only because it's the age. Yeah, it's not even it Jake is Smith. Not him. It's not, they're not featuring Jake <laughs> Smith. They're featuring the age. Okay. So it's, the, yeah. it's even more <laughs> so all the cool players. Whoever's the in that yeah. spot. Yeah. Okay, so but, but Jared Wiley at that freaking spot, he'd go <laughs> off. He'd be like Earl Ur, Smith out there. Yep. Coach, can I get some reps at age? <laughs> well, I mean, age coach? That's why people were fooled by kind of money at the beginning or schooler. Because like, they eight. were in the eight. It's, uh, yeah, Texas Tech. I think schooler has seven receptions. Yeah, he's playing the eight. Eight. <laughs> He's going to be amazing. That no, was the only the game H. without Whittington and Jake Smith. Yeah. So you need somebody yeah. at the H. Put B. John at the H. I swear <laughs> to God. He would kill it. You're right. Yes, he would be great. He would probably go for like 15 receptions for 200 yards. Treat it like a video game. Like, where, okay, if in this formation, in the five wide, I can't shift anything around. So I'm going to have to put Roy Williams at that in exactly. that number three receiver <laughs> right, if I want to get that curl flat play mm-hmm. to him where he can get in space. Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's making it, just making it harder on yourself. But, Rod, all these issues we're talking about offensively, they've been there. They're going to continue to be there. It's just can you make enough plays mm-hmm. to fight through them? And to close it out this week, since we have a bye week, there is no game to talk about. Let's talk about the elephant in the room offensively. Let's do it. Which is Sam Ellinger. Yeah. And I'm of the opinion right now, right? Look, I don't understand the calls for Casey Thompson to come in for a series or two. I just don't. That's ridiculous. I don't get it. (laughs) My thing is this. I I, I think it's way way simpler than people are making it out to be. Sam Ellinger is a very productive, other than Colt McCoy, he's going to leave Texas as the most statistically prolific quarterback in the history of the program. He's got skins on the wall. He's proven himself to be a very competent, capable Above average, good college quarterback. He's just not playing well right now. And yes, the injuries he suffered, he has hinted at it. Tom Herman's hinted at it. It's probably not helping his situation at all. But we, you've got all these issues going on around him, his personal health. He's just not playing right now. He can still be a good college quarterback who's just not playing well right now. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, but I do I agree with that because that brand, remember, he misses Brandon Eagles on that double move, mm-hmm. that deep route. I mean, that that's. And Sam, just how Sam, he's playing. Sam's like, one of the best deep ball throws in college football. He usually contact. makes those. Yeah, he usually makes those plays with his eyes closed. Can you can you talk about that? Because I I say that to people. I point out the pro football focus numbers. Like, well, I look at him. He just misses deep shots all the time. Um, 
Man, I've seen him miss. I've seen him make way more. I've seen him hit on more, way more deep throws than he misses on throughout the years. I will admit he's had really good receivers throw the, throw the football to. Right, you had a Colin Johnson, Lou Jordan, Humphrey, mm. Devin Duvernay. You had some, you had some all star receivers to throw the football to, and I think that's part of the the recipe, or at least I think that's part of the amalgamation that's hurting Sam right now. Those wide those wide receivers, they just you know they're just not that talented either. When well, the past they're month, not that great, and that's why when Jake Smith comes along, talented wide receiver. Sam looks better, right? Some of his best throws are to Jake Smith. Go back and watch Jordan Whittington and his throws to him in an Oklahoma game. He's more confident. Look at the throwing film to from last year with Duvernay. He can put a ball on a spot wherever. Yeah. So I just think I think it's a it's it's a it's the O line. It's 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 Sam too, and it's the wide receivers and the fact that they won't game plan around the strengths of specific players and feature them, it all it all hurts them. Well, in just the past month, you can tell with Sam because yeah, not always would you see, like each game there's been two or three throws that he's just missed on of late, mm-hmm. but they've also totally coincided with the games that he's decided to not run. Like, I mean, against Oklahoma State, it was him not running intentionally and avoiding contact until it literally got down to, like, the last drive or two, mm-hmm. and you saw him do it. And then even in this game, he was running out of bounds, and it's smart. It's trying to understand that this is a season, it's a race, and you're a, you're trying to get – to the finish line, but you also have to execute and perform well. But it's been a drastic difference from early in the season, Sam, yeah. or what we know is healthy, Sam. And then when you diagnose what's going on right now, and it would make sense that, oh, well, he hasn't been uh, an a- inaccurate passer his whole career. He's maybe not been impeccably accurate, but in the past month, he's mm. missed those throws. So I would align that aligning with the intent to not run unless it's totally necessary, and those go with somebody that's playing through the injuries that normally come if you are a running quarterback. Good point. Uh, unless you're, unless you're Robert Griffin in the in the Browns offense, his Heisman year, or like Mason Rudolph with James Washington in that Gundy offense when they had it rolling. The deep ball's not gonna be. It's not a high percentage play no. anyway. It's mm. a low percentage throw. It's thirty percent. And, for the, for the, and, and it's really effective goes. even whenever it doesn't connect. And yeah. Matt, you mentioned yeah. kind of the, the confl- gravity. Matt, you hinted at the confluence of things that, that have attributed to why mm. they haven't hit on shots. Rod, I'll bring back the drive I mentioned that where Bijan Robinson never touched eleven twenty four right after the fourth down stop in the end zone. You got the ball at the minus sixteen. You're coming basically coming off the goal line. You get a first down on the thirteen yarder to Eagles. You come back right after the first down, and I like I like offensive coordinators that do this. You get a first down, you either tempo them or, or take a shot. Mm-hmm. You you got a chance to go for the throat, just go take that. a shot. And you had the, the the shot down the boundary to Eagles where a combination of he lo- looked like he lost the ball in the sun and, oh, the, and the ball. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And he the ball even, was it was underthrown, but he lost in the sun. So he didn't it even just, try. Yeah, he must have lost. He had to have lost in the yeah, sun. Like, like there's the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you you come back you come back the next play second and ten at the thirty eight. You take the shot to Schooler down the middle. That's an incomplete pass. Yeah, I remember that. And just to show you kind of how your luck goes on deep balls, what, Rod, you figure probably a third of those you should maybe complete? Mm-hmm. Or so? Yeah, something like that. You come back on third and ten, you take another shot, and Tariq Black drops it. Drops it. It was a beautiful throw. Yeah. Perfect throw. Perfect just drop throw. Just dropped it. Yeah. But that. I, to talk about playing a player's strengths, other than the B. John Robinson thing, the one thing that's going to continue to bother me about this offense why they insist on turning games into drop-back passing games with these slow-developing, long-developing routes mm-hmm. with receivers that have trouble getting off press coverage, yeah. trouble – forget press coverage, just trouble man- – how many guys yeah, in this receiver court can just manipulate man coverage? Yeah, just get separation. And James Smith can do it. You continue to do that, and that's why Sam has to bail on clean pockets because, mm-hmm. okay, right, every quarterback's got that clock in their head. Yeah. If I don't get rid of it by this point, I got to go. I got to look for a check down or whatever. Has Sam missed some check downs? Yeah, but the bigger problem to me is give him some quick game. Do something other than what you continue to do, and maybe the result will be different. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, you know, I've been trying to get him to run more empty formation. I I, I think that would help out Sam. Now, I said, don't run it. I don't want you to make that your staple. They ran uh, a few times identity. on Saturday. They ran a few times. I'd like them to see him run it probably 10 times a game. I think yeah. right now they're probably in the realm of running it like six times a game or five times a game. But considering the return on investment, I'd have to see more of that. But also that goes to your quick game comment. That would get Sam more in the rhythm, all right? Exactly. The quick game, getting the ball out quickly. So I think they got to do more stuff to help Sam. Sam's not playing well, 
but they're not helping him out very much either. Yeah, and the bye week's going to help Sam a ton, yes, especially looking at what how Injuries. the season's yeah. going to end. It's going to be tough. You get bye week and an easy game before you get to two tough ones. But Sam on the season, more than 20 yards downfield in the middle of the field, so between the numbers, he has a 97 passer rating if you're going with the NFL passer rating. That's, That's elite. Like, if you're a 100 NFL passer yeah. rating, very good. Now, to the outside, not good. It's 50 and 33, and it's like that if you look even from the 10 to 20-yard area. And why now, is that, you think? Well, uh, over the middle, his vision. on the outside suck. Yes. Sorry, not the no, they don't suck. They suck at getting off <laughs> open run coverage, and the guys in the slot have been pretty damn good. That's and the offense is built for them. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. It's built for the H. Yes, the, reason exactly. why that, the reason why that passer rating down the, down, the, down the field and over the middle is so high, who, who's getting those balls? The tight ends, which that's times where they're either getting schemed open or it's, imagine you throw it to your 6-7 tight end who can body somebody up, and it's the H. And then so if you want to just put context to it, that 96.8 NFL passer rating between the uh, numbers 20 yards downfield is better than he is zero yards. Behind the line of scrimmage, his passer rating is 96.3. So, like, that shows how good he is. Now, in the middle of the field, 10 to 20, his NFL passer rating is almost perfect, 150.3, and he's 131 on the first 10 yards. And now, what is that? What is that what, that you just mentioned, H. Matt, the 10 to 20? Tight end. That's the mesh concept. Smash yeah. concepts would work really well for this offense. Yeah. But on the outside, if you're going 10 yards downfield, his passer rating's 51, 57, and 20 yards downfield, that's 33, uh, 51. If you look at a, any quarterback's just chart on where it goes, it's going to deteriorate the further outside and the further downfield that it is normally, and that's exactly where it is with Sam, and it fits the offense. What's his offense? What's his rating outside the numbers for 10 again? Uh, for 10, it's 57 and 51. It's not 10 to 20 range. Okay. Rod, you... Yeah. 0 to 10, 77 to 121. And I know we got to wrap up, so I'll try to make this question quick. Rod, you, you know, Kyle Shanahan's one of your best friends. You've known Mike Shanahan for a long time. You've been around Sims family. People that I consider the top end of the food chain when you're talking about all guys who know offensive football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a rational explanation for why offensive coordinators, and I'm not just getting on Mike Yersich, I see all kinds of offensive coordinators do this, why when you find a concept that works, why you just go away from it? Um, they like you like they want variation because they don't they want to come back to that play later on, and that's part of it too. You keep running something sooner or later. They, you know, the, the defensive coordinators go from, oh man, that's a play that worked, okay, to we need to we need to make a game-time adjustment right now to stop that play. Okay. Mm-hmm. We need to bring our linebacker back to stop that player, do whatever we got to do to stop that particular – that play is killing us, that one concept. And you really don't want that, especially if you want to come back to that concept okay. if it's a moneymaker for you. So you want to be able to vary, have different variations. Build of, yeah, to build off of it and then have them – you like the defense to, to, to basically have to be – balanced almost, right? They have to try to defend everything. You want them to try to defend everything. Because you take something away, if you know you can do that confidently like we've seen Texas do, that's your advantage. Then that- you make them one-dimensional. Then you, you compartmentalize the offense. You'd like to have a, a, a kind of an offense that has a lot of different threats. And if you just bring it down to, all right, we're going to run this damn play over and over again and force them to stop it, then that's no variation. Is they that, might just stop it. Okay. And then and, what are you going to do? Well, well that's <laughs> what I was say. And then dude, you better make sure you have lots of great counters off mm-hmm. of that. That's what I was going to say. Is that the difference then between kind of your your average run-of-the-mill offense and elite offenses and elite offenses? They'll hammer that concept. Then when you adjust, it's like, okay, when you adjust, here's my adjustment. I know where I'm going after that mm-hmm. once you make the adjustment. You've been yeah. setting them up all game with They've it. It's there, like you're playing chess. Yeah. They'll lose, use the move later on. You know mm-hmm. I, mean? I, I like I like that mindset better of I'm gonna ham- I know I'm really good at this, I'm gonna hammer it because I know I already know when you stop that, when you adjust now, I've got a counter off of that. You have to know how they're gonna counter it though. And the True. second that's the how defense you have to have to enough, you have something. to be well, you have to be well informed enough as a coach to know. All right, they're going to counter this by moving their linebackers here, or adjusting the front, <laughs> or adjusting the coverage. That's the key. You don't know how they're going to counter it. Yeah. So they may counter it with just putting their badass linebacker there and going, "Dude, stop that play, done, coach." Well, yeah, and you know that's what I mean. Like yeah. they, they may just have a, they may have Aaron Donald there, and your play doesn't matter. Yeah. They okay. may decide Aaron Donald shift over to the B gap, dog. Okay, done, coach. 
Blow it up every damn time. Okay. You just never know how the other team is going to adjust because they're going to adjust based on their strengths, weaknesses, and their talent and personnel. And then certain right? offenses are just built around expecting that type of adjustment from the yeah. defense. Like watching Sean Payton last night's game was it's just amazing. unreal. And yeah. the same thing that Shanahan He's does. He's one of those guys. Yeah, exactly. It's, a little, like it is, it. No, it's, it's great football theory discussion about – I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. I mean, it's great, but it, it's, it's, it's amazing the really good defensive minds, how they'll decide to adjust as opposed to the really great offensive minds. And then, you, like you, you said, Matt, it's just chess at that point. Mm-hmm. It's going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm with you. I find it fascinating. Last night so it was football, funny. a beautiful game, man. Yeah. Seeing Sean Payton's, it was like his queen piece was Taysom oh. Hill last night. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then when you brought up those 2011 numbers, it was weird watching afternoon and evening, and it was 2011 Texas football. Like just seeing Garrett Gilbert, you see Taysom yeah. Hill. Like yeah. it was the prime no. of the NFL games, and it was guys that were last decade's I, I, Texas <laughs> nightmares. I saw Andy Reid this past weekend put a quarterback in motion. <laughs> like, I've never even seen that. I didn't think that was a thing. He put Patrick, go watch He put Patrick Mahomes in motion. I'll send you guys to play. It's amazing. He puts him in motion. Patrick Mahomes goes like to the toward the C gap and then as he's run like running back toward they snap it to him. I'm like, what the mm-hmm. hell is that? Yeah. Who does that? Is that legal? I don't even know if that's legal. <laughs> like, what how did that I didn't even do it. I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. No. Nope. You got I'll send it to you. It's crazy. I, was, awesome. I didn't even know if that I was legal see either. That. Dude, Andy Reid's doing stuff that nobody even thinks about. But think about how freaked out you are if a linebacker you see that for the first time mm-hmm. during the game. And you're like, whoa, what the? I'll just call a timeout. 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 It's like the timeout. little kid like, walking to calling a timeout and then just runs down the sideline. Dude, it was, I saw I've never seen anything like it. I, I saved the play. I'll send it to you guys this morning because I was like, I don't know what the hell that was. So as Texas goes into the bye week, guys, is it pretty much defensively get Keandre Coburn healthy and just kind of keep doing what you're doing? And offensively, you've got the bye week in a game against Kansas to really figure out how you're going to attack those last two games, which really, with all due respect to Kansas, like they're they're not good. And I know here's here's a stat to chew on during the bye week because we get ready to for next week when we talk more about Kansas. Mm-hmm. You guys realize Tom Herman in three meetings with Kansas is yet to cover a spread. <laughs> I heard you say that last yeah. week, and that's a, that's scary. That's scary. They better cover it this year because this Kansas team's just falling. They got like a 17-year-old at quarterback. Bad. Puka opted out. They're like, bad. They're Kansas. They're always bad. But they're yeah. even, they're the worst they're version worse of themselves. They're they worse than they used to be. The worse than, yeah, than a month Rod. ago. They were Rod. a lot you, better a month ago Rod, with you remember, Puka. You remember some of those Baylor That's teams? True. Remember some of those Baylor teams you played in yeah. your tenure at Texas? They're like Dave Roberts, Chuck Reedy, Baylor kind of bad. So you're saying Texas could win by starting Casey Thompson I'm and sorry, letting Dave Sam Elliott rest. Dave Roberts, Kevin Steele, Baylor kind of bad. So you're saying we could let Sam Elliott rest, start Casey Thompson, and still win. And then all Casey our damn fans are going to say, Casey Thompson's great, he owns the no, job. No, I'm just saying, like, if Sam Elliott is that hurt, because, Matt, you made a really good point, if he's, if he's that hurt, mm-hmm. like if he is to the point where he can't even really make all the throws and it's just tough for him to get through a game and he has to change his style of play and you can give him two weeks off, that's when we say Kansas is a week off anyway. But two two legitimate weeks off, we can just rest. Yeah, you know, for that run against Iowa State and K State, which is going to be hellacious. Mm-hmm. I uh, it's it, worth considering if Kansas is that bad. I don't know if they're that bad. Considering what you just told me about them not covering the last three years, Tom Herman ain't going to do that because he's probably scared no. as hell. <laughs> yeah, because he knows he's fired if they lose with K State. Yeah, he's like, I'm not going down like Charlie. That's a damn coaching <laughs> mistake. Damn coaching mistake. But you know what? Like, if you look at Kansas though, not to get too far into Kansas prep, if you look at their schedule, like who was their one non-conference game? It was Coastal Carolina. Oh, yeah. That wasn't a bad non-conference opponent, as it turns out. Yeah, True. Coastal Carolina's doing and well. Coastal whooped up on them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and, they, and they beat the hell out of them. Like that, that Baylor team, that Baylor team, they were like, oh, man, Baylor's not very good. Baylor, what was the final score of that game? It was like 40, 47-17, 47-10. Man. Rod, Kansas is... Okay, bad. well, this is the thing. Okay, they're, just, they're, know, they're young. They're real young this year. We know then he's not going to... Start Casey Thompson. That's not gonna happen. All right, Tom Herman. He ain't got he ain't got scones that big. So that's not gonna happen. He does got big scones, but ain't that big. So what he what, what you got to make sure you do then if you're Texas, you need your onslaught early. You yep. need to break out all them plays early, and you need to get. I need you up by twenty something by the time that first quarter it's ends. It's the UTEP game. Boom. So yes. you can put it in the hands of Bijan and you, those Matt. guys run downhill on them, and then say, Sam, you good, man. You good. Matt yep, said good. Matt said exactly what I was gonna say. You, your mindset, your prep for Kansas needs to be you need to treat it like the UTEP game. How quickly can we just crush their will in their hope yep. and get the hell out of here, get Sam out of the game? And Casey Thompson should be in the game 
after halftime. Because you don't even need to do what you did in the opener where Tom Herman's logic was, I just let the offense just get used to coming out of halftime trying to move the ball. No. Yeah, if I remember that if, one drive. If, yeah. If you're if you're up 35 nothing and a half, I shouldn't see Sam Ellinger other than if a camera pans to him and catches him on the sideline. I'll say this because you know, I, I, to- I totally agree with that. I think early on, because at UTEP, they played more 12 personnel early on than they did 11 personnel. It was a, it was a ton of 12 personnel in that game. And I, I early on, they they did their, their passing rate, or at least their uh, their passing early down pass rate, it was mm-hmm. really high. Maybe the highest it's yeah. been all year in that UTEP game. You know, I don't know if you can do that. That was the I, offense I wanted. It was, yeah. I don't know how fresh Sam is, but, man, I would like to do that. I'd like to come out and empty, and I'm with you. Just, just light them up early. Put them away, Sam missed the bench, and be done with it. Yeah, last yeah. three games, Kansas lost fifty-six to fourteen, roughly. You know, you know what I'm thinking about too in terms of B. John Robinson for that Kansas game, guys. Something Bill Parcells used to always do with with if he had a running back he really liked. I saw him do. I've heard I heard him out of doing it in the preseason previous stops, and he did it with the Cowboys. Did it with Julius Jones one year. He did mm. it with Tyson Thompson one year. This should be a game where B. John Robinson runs until he throws up. Like, that was Parcells goes, like, I'm going to give you the ball so much, I'm going to run you till you throw up. That's how much I'm going to give you the football. <laughs> That's the goal. Yes. Very Parcellsian. No, so, man. Rod, what you're talking about, 12 personnel, just go out. Just br- There's no better better way to break someone's will than just say, I'm going to line up and run a football, and you're not going to be able to stop it. Should be the Bijan breakout game. I'm going to go for about five, six yards of pop all the way down the field yep. and crush your will. Speaking of which, like, I, I know i got to go, but we got to end this, but <laughs> – like from a football theory standpoint, I caught something on TV this weekend. I was in, it was in between games, and uh, it was kind of the remember that college football 150 series ESPN mm-hmm. did. It was on Notre Dame, and they were talking about Eric Parsegian when he was at Notre Dame, yeah, kind of what he liked. And they were talking about one of the things that he really liked to do, what he felt was like the mark of a great team, is get the ball. And granted, this was like back in the 60s, so you can't do this now, but maybe this could apply to a Kansas game. When you get the, make sure you try to get the ball to start the second half, and on your first drive of the second half, don't call a single pass play. <laughs> the goal should be to score running the football every play. Wow. Because if you do that and you take like a 12-play drive and you mm-hmm. just break their will, game's over at that point. Yeah, I mean, you can – I mean, that's imposing physicality on somebody. That's hard to do because, man, that's, that's just tough to do. That sounds that's like arrow impossible. Like I said, it's back in the 60s. So yeah, that's true. Not, no, you know. you're right. Even in the 60s, though, you yeah, got a little – hardcore. <laughs> one or two passes on the drive. Once, I mean, it's funny you bring up that name because if you watch some of the old uh, ESPN Classic Texas games like Texas OU or the Arkansas game from the 70s and 60s, yeah. pretty sure that it's Eric Parsegian as analyst with Keith Jackson at the beginning yeah. of his career. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's uh, that's what Tom know. Harmon believes in. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, exactly. it feels like that. Well, so that's we'll, why he's wanting to be a Parsegian. We'll see what happens, but that that should be your main focuses during the bye week. Should be get Sam Ellinger healthy and figure out how you can get this offense going. Because Rod, if you can't get it going against Kansas, great. I'll say this about Kansas, and we'll talk more about Kansas next week. Their defensive line is not bad. I'm not saying they're like what you saw from West Virginia or anything, but Kansas defensive line isn't terrible. Okay. Offensive line for Texas actually had one of the better games versus yeah, West Virginia. So it's Sam had be, time. It it's gonna be a, a nice game where you can test that and see if you can build on something. So there there are things within this game where you can look for tangible improvement. But the focus should be on you gotta use the bye week in that Kansas game to get right because you've got the kind of win win in your end scenario get in the last two games against Iowa State and K State. Yeah. yeah. Case Kansas is the line. They are more closer to the profile of a West Virginia. Interesting. What are you looking at, man? You looking at the line Football yards outside. per carry? Football yeah, but we'll, give me some. They're seventy ninth overall, two point eight eight, and it looks like opportunity rate for Kansas is forty uh, first. That's actually impressive. Eighty uh, first in stuff rate, so sort of in that same middle ground. Not horrible, which you not expect elite, from not Kansas. Horrible. Yeah. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at NewBalance.com. 
All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod be on the triple option each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless book. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are all available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24 7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search Horns 24-7 podcast to get us state of recruiting and the flagship. And don't forget to like us and leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.